The Big News Coming Soon podcast is proudly sponsored by BRB Homes. BRB Homes is Ireland's number one award-winning manufacturer of factory-built homes. We take your home from start to finish. Our homes are A-rated and meet planning regulations. We build to your requirements and your budget. The cost includes your home being turnkey and our chartered engineer's fees. Please get in touch for reviewing of our show homes a brochure or for more information let brb homes take the stress out of your build check out brbhomes.ie ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to this week's podcast and we're coming to you live from Derry City and I'm sitting in an apartment at uh, the Bishopsgate Hotel across from my beautiful cousin Charlene McCrossan. Charlene, good morning. Good morning, Alan. Thanks a million for looking after me so well. Oh, it's no problem. You always all. treat me like royalty every time I'm here. It's just the Derry special. Oh, like. stop <laughs> it. Come here. I was telling you a minute ago, I nearly died of death when I came to this hotel. And I knew straight away when the concierge was outside and your man there parking cars. And I said, where in the name of God does she have me tonight? Because <laughs> you put me up tonight. You wouldn't have it any other way. I know. I said, I might come up on Saturday. Bang, booked in. There you go. No, You're... it was the least I could do. Stop and it. Bishopsgate is just like one of the best hotels in the town. Now it's just like, well, only the best for the best, Aww. of course. Well, I walked through reception and everyone was dressed to the nines. And I thought it was a wedding and I, I rock in in these navy skimpy shorts and a mayo top and I felt like such a knob. And everyone, <laughs> everyone looking at me going, who is your man? Uh, nobody cares. That's dairy for you. Nobody <laughs> yeah, cares. That's true. <laughs> and there was a lovely hamper here waiting for me when I came in and I put it up on my Instagram page last night and everyone was like, open the hamper. What's in it? What's in it? But I wanted to wait until you came to talk through mm-hmm. what's in it. So yep. there's a car freshener and it says pure lured. Pure lured. Smells beaut. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Pure lured. Means you're buzzing. You're really happy. You're pure lured. All right. Yeah. 
Right, well, I am, I am pure lord. <laughs> and then there's socks to match, pink socks. I know, I was thinking about you talking about socks all the time. And I yeah. was like, do you know what? We pair of socks. Oh, fair play to you. <laughs> so you, you went around dairy and got all these bits and pieces and made a hamper. I, no, I wanted to make like a dairy hamper. And ideally, I would have got more. But it was only yesterday before you came. I was on between tours. And I was like, <sighs> uh, must like, but it was a really good day to do it because the Walled City Market was on. So wow. I got all those wee local producers and they were all there in one place. Perfect. I'll put them up on my Instagram anyway later on. But this is popcorn. I know, I was thinking a cookie. Dog-ganic barkery organic dog snacks. I know. What? My cookie, I love that, hopefully. I never I never, never knew that was a thing. Where did I know, you there was that? so much more. It was in the Wall City Market, but there was so much more. There was biscuits, there was nighttime treats, like a calm and down treat for your dog. Wow. And I was like, no, well, cookie seems so good. I'm sure <laughs> she has no problem going to bed at night. Like, But I was thinking of getting everything, and then I was like, no, just the popcorn will do. Oh, that's very cool. Uh, now, there's a bar of chocolate that says gobshite on it. <laughs> What's that about? <laughs> Are you trying to tell me something? Like, you know what that means, all right? What? I'm a gobshite. <laughs> you know that? <laughs> like, it's not just a dairy thing. <laughs> oh, no. I just thought it was funny. It was either that, there was oh, other ones with other names in it, and I was like, well, that's kind of like the nicest thing. So, yeah. You're so funny because I made a hamper for my friend that was visiting Mayo last week, mm-hmm. and, and I made sure to put ale in it as well. Amazing. Isn't it like a real, it's a real cool thing now, craft, local, Craft ale. beer, yeah. Where is this from? Northbound. So that's Northbound Brewery, so they're a dairy local, and there's so many, like, dairy local breweries, like you were in the Walled City Brewery last night as yeah, well, and they make their own beer. There's another one, Northbound's amazing as well, and then you have another one called Dopey Dick Brewing <laughs> Company, right? because that's named after a killer wheel that went under the foil in 1977, and it couldn't get out, it went in for salmon. Right. Couldn't get out, got the nickname and dairy, Dopey Dick. And now you've Dopey Dick Brewing Company as well. And yeah. I know it's a big, massive thing in dairy is the craft beer and local produce. And we're very proud of our local stuff. Yeah, I ate there at the Wall City Brewery last night and I have to say it's my favourite place. Yeah, it's brilliant, it's, There's it? a cool vibe in there. Uh, it really is. Like I finish some tours there, like private bookings, and I just love telling the story of how they named their beers. Yeah. Because it like ties into the history and all too, and... It's so, so All nice. the beers are named after different things in Derry or Yeah, something to do with the history or like certain things. Like when Derry Girls was on, they named one each week oh. after that episode of Derry Girls. So it's really nice. And the food is amazing. And mm-hmm. like, I'm not saying it's, this isn't a plug or nothing about this podcast is a free right. plug for any business. Just to clear that up at the start. But I had uh, beef cheek last night and oh my oh, God. Lovely. It was amazing. They are so good. And then there. I was reading about there being, they have Derry's first gin. Amelia Earhart gin. And I was thinking, yep. shit, did I have Mayo's first gin? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't. I'm, I'm did well, you not? No, oh. I, I'm well down that pecking order, but I thought I missed oh. a trick there. I thought I said. That would have been good. Yeah. Would have been good. So now I have a signpost that says Big Egypt. I know. I thought that was good. <laughs> that, there was all ones we dairy and Dura and all, and I was like, no, do you know what? I'll be nice there. That is, that is so me. We leprechaun on it too uh, for you. Oh, yeah. He, he's a bit taller than me. Just a wee bit. So that's going on my the door of my office. And then uh, I know I know. Mm-hmm. I know him. We know Pad for you. What does what does that mean? Just uh, if somebody says something know, to you, you just be all I know him. You're kind of oh, like canceling right. yourself out by saying it. But like when you're agreeing with somebody about something, you'd be like I know him. I know no. <laughs> I know no. Just typical dairy saying. I know I know. Oh, you're a legend. And last but not least, 
A cream horn. Cream horn. I didn't finally. Spo- I didn't spot this last night, and if I did, I would have devoured it because when Kieran and I were here a few months ago, you tried to get us cream horns, but they were all mm-hmm. sold out. I know it was last so minute. We had a cream finger, and then last night when I came, a few people started messaging, say, "Is mm-hmm. there any cream horns left for you?" There you go. And I was like, I have to go and try and Made find a cream sure horn this morning. I can't wait to taste that. And Thanks. a wee cup of tea and a cream horn. Thank you so it. much. I appreciate all that. It's a pleasure. And the popcorn for cookie. God, I can't wait to see you eating it. Oh, it'll be class. I'll have to put a video up. So listen, <laughs> Charlene, tell me, what age are you? I am 34. You're 34 mm-hmm. and you're my cousin. Mm-hmm. Your dad, <laughs> uh, your dad, Martin, was my uncle. Yeah. And tell us, where did you go to school? I first went to the model primary school. And then I went to Foyle and Londonderry College, but I left there and went to Thornhill College then, which is the school portrayed in Derry Girts. M- model primary school? Mm-hmm. What did, it's, it's not like a school for models, obviously. No, it was like, um, I don't know why they called it the model. What does model mean? Like, why, what does that... Model students, perfect students like myself, Oh, of I get it now, <laughs> I get it now. I know. No, so the model primary school, me and Christina, my sister, went there it was so close to our house, but it was genuinely the best primary school ever. Because uh, I was thinking for a second, like, surely they're not tr- training children, like <laughs> small kids to be models. I know, no, the no. model it was called. So, okay. No, it was good. That's just the name of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of time did you have in school? Did you enjoy school? Primary school, yes. Secondary school, as I said, I moved from Foyle to Thornhill um, because of what I went through there so and it's something I talk about all the time so I would say no I did not enjoy my time in foil but then I moved to Thornhill and had an absolute ball so do you mind talking do you mind saying what why you moved um yeah so basically like my background is that as you know my daddy from Craigan Catholic my mommy so he was Catholic and my mommy Protestant from the fountain and so I always had like this mixed upbringing But then I went to Foyle in the 90s and it was a really good school. It was hard to get in. I had the grades to get in and it was the 90s and my parents thought that that time was kind of over us and it would be okay me as a Catholic going to a majority Protestant school and it wasn't. Like the things that I went through there was just unbelievable. Um, First of all, you had to have a specific grade to get into the school. Yeah, and it was partially private as well like my parents had to pay a small fee every term so it was partially private and I got in I had the grades my friends were going there from the model and I was so excited but then as I got older like going into 13 14 years old it just went crazy like were were your friends Protestants from the model some were some Protestants some Catholic that was never an issue until a certain age then when people started to become more aware of the politics of this country. Yeah. And then that's when you kind of seen the sectarianism come out then. And what kind of things happened to you then? Um, I remember one time on sports day, people singing a song to me, like directly to me. And do you know the hymn, Give Me Oil in My Lamp? Yeah. Give me burn. So they sung that with different words. And it was... I. I don't even want to say it, like, because it was so, so bad. Like, I don't want to repeat it. But basically, like, anything that ever happened, it was always like, oh, what do you know? Your take, which is basically, like, 
a bad name for a Catholic. A it take. was like a take. How do you spell uh, that? T A I G. A take. Your take. I don't um, think I've ever heard that. I know, just all these wee names and oh I was just called for everything. I was never respected. And went through a really hard time and when it went to the time that I was leaving, it was like thirteen people, like a group of thirteen people specifically and I remember the teachers saying to my dad like you know my dad like he went on all guns plays and he was like this is ridiculous and they were like well what do you expect us to do there's 13 of them there's one of her like she can leave I know so it was crazy so the 13 of them they were all Protestant all Protestant yes and it didn't matter that your mom was a Protestant didn't matter that's one of the things I was called I was half a Jeff Half a jaff. Half a jaff, yeah. Wow. I know. This is horrendous. Crazy. But because of my upbringing, like I didn't, I mean, I went to the fountain to play with cousins. I went to the bog side to play with cousins. My parents thought like we were over that. Yeah. And they didn't introduce me to the politics. Right. But then I was introduced to it in that way then. I was like, what is going on here? Like, didn't get it. And when your mom and dad met... Like that must have been, was that all secret for a while then or? or? I, it was 40 years ago, so it was the early 80s right. and it was all secret. Like I remember stories that my daddy was telling me, it was like he was saying he climbed over the walls when the walls were closed and they were occupied by the forces and he was like climbing over the walls to like go and visit my mommy and basically putting his life in his hands to go and visit my mommy at the other side of the wall, which was the fountain. He was coming from the Catholic area, going to the Protestant area. But like, I always say it's a Northern Irish version of Romeo and Juliet. Like it really is. But knowing Martin McCrossan, he would have dug a tunnel under the walls, anything to get to the other side. No, no. And he would do that for anyone. He would. Absolutely. Anybody. He was Adam. If he was adamant to do something, to be somewhere, he would have got there. He always... His famous saying, it's better to seek forgiveness than permission. <laughs> so, <laughs> And uh, do you, did he ever talk about how he broached it at home then? Like, did Granny and Granddad care? Or, he or? never talked about it. Um, I kind of got snippets growing up. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of how I was brought up. They didn't want to introduce Okay. Me and Christina to that because they thought if we had known any of it, then it may have possibly caused us to be politically on one side or the other. Yeah. So we didn't know an awful lot of that until, as I say, we got older and there were certain wee snippets and certain things were happening. Like, I mean, I was six months old and we lived in a Catholic area and we had to move out of the Catholic area. Like, I know that because my mum was Protestant. And they wanted to go to a more integrated area. And then that was our family home. But like, I don't know like the full stories behind it because they thought by not telling us this, then that would kind of shield us from it. So where you lived then up there, just behind Northern Road, that Mm -hmm. was a more integrated area. It was a more integrated area. So it actually used to be a majority Protestant area. I never knew that. It did. I know Eden Ballymore is what it's known as, but it used to be majority Protestant. But during the Troubles... A lot of Protestant families and communities left, like, the city side and moved to the water side. So then it became more integrated and it's actually one of the very few integrated areas on the city side of the river. I never knew that. Mm. And I was over here every summer hanging around with you and, and Christina and yeah. Raymond, who is Mammy Banter's uh, brother. Oh, 
course. I used to hang out with him all summer. Yeah. I think brilliant. everyone calls him Ray, but I don't know why we call him Raymond. Yeah. Ray I think and Nay, his wee brother Nathan. We yeah, Nathan say Ray as well. <laughs> I remember his mom used to always call him Raymond. She was from Leitrim. Mm-hmm. So it must have been just what she said. She calls him Raymond. So the I must name. call him Raymond. <laughs> I never knew that now that that was a an, an, an integrated area. More inter- we were very close to a fully Catholic area. Yeah. But it was one of the very few integrated areas. I suppose I it didn't really register with me. I remember one year I wanted to buy a telescopic fishing rod. Right. And Granddad <laughs> had rang this place and it was just over the bridge. Right. But the Peace Bridge wasn't there. You had to go across mm-hmm. the other bridge. Yep. And uh, I remember him saying to me, shoot across there and get it. Mm-hmm. And he just said, go straight to the shop and come straight back and don't delay. Yeah. And I remember Raymond walked me across and he was like physically terrified oh really oh, oh i don't know like this we were only probably 14 or 15 at the yeah. time which isn't a long time ago I 20 know. years ago yeah and he just he came with me he w- raymond was a legend he'd take a bullet for me and yeah. i used to love hanging oh, out with him the best and uh, i just remember at the time thinking this is so strange why is he terrified it's kind of like a thing in dairy you're just you're used to what you're used to and then when you go out of that unknown especially being in the city that we're in and what it went through. Yeah. It's just kind of like when you go out of that unknown, you just don't know when you do. A, a lot of people do have that fear. And would anyone have collared two 14-year-olds over buying a fishing rod? No. Two, two, <laughs> it two wouldn't Catholic have happened. 14-year-olds, yeah. I know it wouldn't have happened. Like, yeah. But it's just kind of always that fear, the fear of the unknown. Okay. Like, so, but no, nothing would have happened. What's your earliest memory of the Troubles? My earliest memory of the Troubles is actually going over the border. Um, going down south going down south more than likely to visit yourselves in Mayo (laughs) and I remember going over the border and there being the checkpoint at the border and being not pulled out of the car but that's kind of how it felt at the time I would have been two or three years old and just having to get out of the car everything being searched um, the soldiers there with the big guns Big barbed wire fences, big checkpoints, towers. Aye, big towers, and you were basically driving through this, and it just, you felt really small kind of going through it. Yeah. Scary, but normality at the same time. We just got used to it. Yeah. Aye. That would be my earliest memory. I remember when I was about three or four as well, we were up Mm -hmm. here visiting my Auntie Greta, I think it was, Mm -hmm. and she was living in flats down in the Bogside that aren't there anymore. Mm -hmm. What were they called? The Rossville Street Flats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was there was mayhem outside. And I don't know exactly what happened, but I remember there was mayhem and I remember there was I don't want to say I don't want to say exactly what happened, but I just remember it being very, very terrifying and yeah. dad bundled us all into the back of the car, mm-hmm. told us to keep our head down, and he drove over that bridge as fast as he could. Oh and God. I remember my auntie telling him that he was a lunatic for leaving the house, that he was safer in the house yeah. than he would have been in the car. Mm-hmm. But he didn't care. Likely so he just wanted out. And he was a guard as well, so I suppose he was probably terrified that yeah. somebody the wrong person would of course come like being him. a guard and yeah, yeah i know i know and it is just one of those things like i mean even though you were on the bog side and you know if you had been on the other side it kind of would you would have been freaking out as well with like maybe a mayo rage and all yeah. that but um <laughs> i know it was just one of those things but it was great i was probably right you were probably that was normality yeah. to us it was like no it's grand i'll subside in a couple of minutes you'll be grand don't leave (laughs) another thing he used to do that i always remember was he'd always leave a gap in front of him so when we were stuck Mm -hmm. in traffic he'd never pull up to the next car in front of him right he'd always leave a gap to get out Mm -hmm. the whole time so he could 
yeah, I'm off. Yeah, me and like there was no like you'd be coming up on a normal Tuesday and there'd be nothing happening anywhere. Yeah, but he'd always be ready to. He's always on edge, like always ready to go. This was back back I suppose back in the late eighties, mm-hmm. and then another time I was in around the diamond here with Raymond and a, a riot kicked off, mm-hmm. and the big jeeps came in and they closed off the square yeah. so that right and we ran down yeah. then by down Shipkey Street and he got me out over the wall there. But they're, they're crazy God. things to be remembering. Like when you it think, was normality. When you think about us. the troubles and you mm. think about everything that happened, it's hard to believe that we lived it. I know. And people don't, I suppose people don't assume that we lived it. Maybe it was just our parents and our granny and granddad. Yeah, but it was I know. No, I mean, you had like the peace agreement in 1998. And to be fair, I was only 10 years old then. But one thing I always say is that that wasn't definitive as the end of the troubles. And in a way, the troubles, in a way, are still ongoing. We still have the repercussions of it. There's still certain things that happen or that you deal with that is a repercussion of the troubles. So no matter what, like no matter what age anybody is, we all live through it in a way. We're all living through it yeah. in this country. Like. So did your mum and dad have a hard time then when they were getting married? Or They did. They got married in the city hall, the guild hall. And as... Far as I'm aware, only their two friends attended the wedding. Stop it. Yeah, their two best friends. They didn't tell anyone? I don't know if they didn't tell anybody or if... I think it was kind of one of those things, if family had have been seen to be supporting it at that time, yeah, it was a fear. Like an integrated marriage at that time was very rare. A lot of people would have actually left the city, left the country as a whole because of an integrated marriage. Like, I mean, we have... There's a lot of stories that you would hear about like Derry girls and the old soldiers from the, the Navy and World War Two, and like tarred and fellered and like things like that if they were dating a British soldier, for example. And that was very much, if anybody had been seen to be supporting it, it was a fear of what they were, how they were implicating themselves, basically. It's hard to believe that that happened in our lifetime. I know. It's crazy, isn't it? Absolutely crazy. So, so crazy. So how did it come about then? that you're a Catholic? Um, My parents, my daddy, he was a very devout Catholic, practiced his religion. My mum, Methodist, only practiced her religion in the family home. Um, When she was older, she never practiced. So they amicably came to the decision to raise me and Christina Catholic. Right. And I wasn't christened in a Catholic church in Derry. Why? I had it because my mum was Protestant. We were actually christened in Donegal. What, the priest wouldn't allow her in? Wouldn't allow it. Stop it. And, um, so that's why we were christened in Donegal. Now, it's only three miles from the border, like, but it's crazy, do you think? That happened 33 years ago. Or mm-hmm. th- that the I priest know. wouldn't let your mum in? Yeah. Wow. I know, it's mental. Yeah. So you had to go down to Donegal? I know, and the only reason, it all came back to me recently when I was getting married because I had to go to the church that I was christened in in order to get my baptismal certificate in order to get married. Wow. And I I mean, it's only, as I say, it's a stone throw. Mm. But I was like, this is crazy that I had to be christened in Donegal and not in Derry. And yeah, madness. So tell me then about your dad. How did Martin McCross and Tours come about then? What was he doing? He was a bit of a, he was a bit of a Del boy. Bit of a a wheeler dealer. Mm -hmm. His, I think his first job 
like his first business was selling turkeys at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I know and it's crazy. And like, they were probably chickens. Yeah, uh, probably <laughs> more than likely. I know. And he dressed up as Santa Claus and gave out presents to kids. He did absolutely everything, tried anything. And he was in the confectionery, like, shop business like we news agent and he opened a shop eventually in Carlisle Road and he became that go-to man like during the troubles he was the go-to if a journalist had been coming to the city everybody would have been like oh go and see Martin McCross and anything you need to know he'll tell you and he basically seen this gap then he was like do you know what one day it won't just be journalists It'll be visitors, and I'm going to make something of that. And there so, Car- Carlisle um, Stores then mm-hmm. was just outside the walls, was just it? Just outside, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, just before you go into the walls, yeah. there was a little shop there. But he always like knew everything, and yeah. I, and then just gap. Then he was like, "Do you know what? I'm going to make something of this." Do you know what always amazed me every time I came to visit Jerry? Well, two things, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying it because you're sitting here, but he was the most generous man you could ever meet in all your life, mm-hmm. and no matter what you wanted, and uh, no matter how little you've seen him in the year, it felt like he was your best uncle in the world. Yeah. Do you know? You mightn't have seen him once that year, but he just made you feel so special and so yeah. important. Aye. And the other thing that amazed me is, you know, you'd call into the shop. We had to call into the shop every time we were up to get Northern Ireland Tato for mum. She just doesn't like she the Southern Tato. Every yeah. time we were going down, we had to bring down a big box yeah. of it. Yep. Your dad brought a box and there was like a uh-huh. hundred packets every yep. time he came down. There was a box of Tato. But everyone knew Martin. Mm-hmm. And it, that, that blew my mind when I was six, seven, eight years of age. Mm-hmm. Just how... It's it, like your famous uncle. He was famous. Him. Yeah. Everyone's like, yes, Martin. Yes, Martin. Mm-hmm. Yes, Martin. And like, no matter what you wanted, he knew somebody that knew somebody. Yeah. And he could get it for you. Like, I remember being on holiday in Florida and walking in Florida and somebody being all, oh, yes, Martin, what's the crack? Yeah. Like, and you were in America. Like, just crazy. Absolutely crazy. And... I, everybody knew him and everybody loved him as well. And I know he was the best. So he set up Martin McCross mm-hmm. and Tours then. And that went from strength to strength. Mm-hmm. How did that get so busy then? Or what happened? Well, it wasn't overnight. Yeah. He tried so hard. Like he was on his own for so long. And he did it alongside owning Carly's stores for so long as well. And it started out basically as a hobby for him. And then as time went on, like when it really, really kicked off was probably as recent as around 2010, 2011. That's when it really started to pick up. And well, he sold the shop. It was when I was in uni. So it would have been around 2006 thereabouts. And that's when he went like all systems go with it. But it didn't really get amazing as such until 2010 2011 and then especially 2013 city of culture year onwards and then he passed in 2015 so I always feel like he didn't get it at its height and it was getting there it was like slowly but surely getting there and now it, it is at the height we tourism and dairy and but now he worked tirelessly. Yeah, he yeah. was he was always going because even when he came down to visit us he was my mum's best friend she's the oldest yeah. girl and he was mm-hmm. the oldest boy So they just had this connection and he used to ring her every day and she was genuinely my mum's best friend Mm -hmm. and she hasn't been right since he passed, you know, like so many of us. But he he just like he couldn't even sit in the house. He'd come down, he'd visit you. 
Yeah. And he'd say, how are you doing? And he'd be up and there's, going again. There's your tato. <laughs> and he wouldn't have even hit the chair. Yeah. And he'd be right, right, we're away. I know. Always busy, always wanting to do something, be somewhere. And do you know what? It was even like when he took ill, he was like, oh no, I can't go to Belfast. They were trying to send him to Belfast. He was like, oh no, I can't go there. I have a man to meet, you know? And that oh. was him to the very end. Always wanting to do stuff, always wanting to just be on the go, working, meeting people, networking. I, it was just in him. Do you mind talking about th- that day he got ill? I know, is it no difficult? problem. No, it is difficult, of course. Like, how could it not be? But um, I was, my sister was just about to get married. We were about two or three months from her wedding. And we were due to go on her hen party to Liverpool in a few weeks' time. And my youngest wee boy, he was only three months old. And me and my mum were going to the town. And we were planning to get T-shirts for Christina's hen party. And we met my dad for lunch in the Millennium Forum, which is the theatre. And we all had lunch. And my eldest wee boy, who was then two, was like, oh, Granda, take me with you. He was like, I have to go. I have to meet a man, usual, Martin. And he was like, I have to go. I have to meet a man. And Bane, my eldest, was all, oh, Granda, Granda, me come. Granda, me come. And my daddy always, always would have took him with him. But this day, he didn't. And he like, was obsessed with him. The best friends. Like, it was like the son that he never had. Yeah. Like, now, he was delighted. And he just, um, he was like, Granda, take me with you. And my daddy was like, no, I'm, I'm busy today, son, whatever. And he went on. And literally what felt about 10 minutes later, not even, I got a phone call from Uncle Sean. And he says, he was apparently trying to ring my mum. And we were still finishing our food. My daddy had just left. And Sean rung me and he says, oh, Charlene, your daddy's second sick in the Northern Road. He's second sick, he's second sick. And I was like, what, what, what? And... My mommy came out of the bathroom then. I was like, Mommy, Sean was ringing you, Daddy's taking ill. And everything from there is a blur. He took a stroke as he was driving. And people thought that he was a drunk driver. And one man seen him and knew him and says, No, that's Martin McCrossan. He doesn't drink. He's not drunk. And managed to get him out of the car. It was very lucky he didn't crash the car. And just was driving really slow should have turned up towards the house but kept going straight because obviously he couldn't turn the wheel and he was just rushed to hospital then and from Anthony Galvin he was then rushed to the Royal and when they were trying to move him to the Royal he was like oh no I have a man to meet and I've since like met and I'm very good friends with the man he was due to meet that day and he was like I remember getting that phone call I was sitting waiting to meet your daddy in town and I saw up to the Royal then, and I'll never forget you and Stephen landing in the Royal. But he was he was a very fit man as well, wasn't he? Fit as a fiddle. Didn't he go swimming every morning? Or? Swimming every morning, walking Walk every the walls. evening, cycling. So um, we, we got the call anyway that he had taken sick, and mm-hmm. me and Stephen just got straight into the car. Yeah. I went up to Belfast. But I remember, I was only talking about this on a podcast last week. Right. Did you hear that? No. No, I didn't. No, because... I've yet to listen. No, I know that. No, <laughs> but I know you were listening to the last season, but... Um, yeah. And I know it's it's busy and I wasn't trying to put you on the spot there, but I was talking to somebody last week about it and we went into the hospital and all he cared about, he didn't even say hello. Mm. He said, Alan, are you coming to Christina's wedding or what are you doing? Oh God. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> yeah, I'm going. Hi. And he said, well, are you bringing somebody with you? 
because he was planning it like he was nearly the, um, he was one of the main wedding planners yeah he was yeah and i said to him um shall i bring mom is that good enough and he goes that's good enough oh and that was so it so nice yeah but like even there after having a stroke all mm-hmm. he cared about was here's this the little wedding. bollocks that hasn't sent back the invite <laughs> that's all he cared that's what that's the first thing that came know, into his mind your RSVP? yeah <laughs> You little bollocks! You would send. You were supposed to send us back the invite there two weeks ago, and you oh, never did. Oh God! I know. No, I always plan and always making sure everything was perfect, and that's just a fine example of it. Like, so he passed away then shortly after that. Three days after he took the stroke, yeah. So on the sixth of February, um, my birthday is the fourth of February. He took the stroke on the third, and it was on the fourth on my birthday that we found out that he wouldn't recover. And I remember being taken into a room by the doctors and like it's all very blurry, but I remember the doctors saying we can like remove a part of his skull to try and let the swelling do what it needs to do and then come down again. However, he may be left, very likely will be left with brain damage and and we don't want to do it, they were basically saying. And you know my dad, he couldn't have been left with brain damage, left like basically depending on other people. And as I say, the doctors didn't want to do that anyway. And they were just like, no, it's not really an option. That's the only thing we could have possibly done. And yeah, that was it. Then they were like, we're just going to have to wait it out. And we did wait it out for what felt like a lifetime, but at the same time, it was so quick. It's just hard to describe it. Like, so, yeah. It's really tough. I know. And do you do you feel like do you remember feeling really bitter like why mm-hmm. did this happen to? I remember there being somebody else in the same ward who had a stroke, who was older, and who wasn't found for a couple of hours, and thinking, and they were okay, and thinking, why are they okay? My daddy's not. He was got immediately. He's fit as a fiddle. He's only 52. Why is my dad not okay? And that person over there is grand. And just being so bitter about it. And I know how awful that sounds, but that's just how you look at it at mm. the time. And do you ever think, do you ever think to yourself, well, there was a reason that he was taken or? Um, I think like my dad would have been like the love fast, die young type anyway. Yeah. He never would have slowed down always talked about retiring um but no I wouldn't like I think it was so hard for everybody when my daddy passed like not even just immediate family but I mean that had basically the world like we were getting phone calls from Australia for example yeah and I know there's probably like a bigger reason for it but no for me, I'm just like, oh, why so young? I know. So much left. Uh, and we really, like, I know he's my uncle and he's your dad and we're here bigging him up and everything, mm. but we really can't underestimate how much he'd done for the city yeah. and how popular he was. Mm. And, like, he even had a nickname. Yeah. What was that? So, originally, he started Madman Macross. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> okay, I wasn't talking about that one. I, and then, well, he was Mr. Derry when he passed. Yeah. Mr. Derry, like. Like, he put Derry on the map. He did. There's no question, mm-hmm. and there's no one in Derry that would that would disagree with you. I know. No, he put it on the map. Yeah. He was Mr. Derry. He just promoted it far and wide, and not for his own benefit, but because he truly loved it. 
and genuinely seen how amazing it was and wanted everybody in the world to know how amazing it was. And it was through no benefit of his own. He was just like, no, you have to go here. You don't even have to take a tour with me. You just have to go. <laughs> and he was so generous and he really was so generous. And our cousin Caelan was sick at the time as well uh, in Belfast. Yeah. And Martin McCrossan doesn't have two minutes. He doesn't mm-hmm. have two minutes for me or you or anyone. And, um, but he was over and back to Belfast. He was up every couple of days. And whatever Caelan yeah. wanted, he, he had. Mm-hmm. Do you know? And, and do you know what? Actually, what is crazy? See some of the stuff in that hamper? Yeah. the fe- It's from Fairy Clever. Yes. And the fella, Chris, who owns that, he worked in the O2 shop okay. at the time when Caelan was in the hospital sick. And my daddy went in and bought him the brand new iPhone that I was remember out that, that year. Yeah. And it was Chris and Fairy Clever that organized all that for him. Yeah. And I he just anything anybody wanted, he was always there. And it didn't matter what it was, how far he had to go to get it. It was just like you want something, I'll get it for you. And yeah, Caelan it was hard. It was very hard. I was talking to this lady two weeks ago on the podcast, Tara Rafter is her name, and she's a she's a life coach mm-hmm. and she won Life Coach of the Year back in 2018. And she's an amazing woman and she's, she's been through a hard time as well. And we were just talking about going then to see, um, well, I don't know what their title is. You know, people that read into, read into you, do a reading and tell you uh, what's Like going a medium? On. Something or, like yeah. that, yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I remember shortly after... Uh, your dad died and Caelan died and I was a bit lost at work and I think I was breaking up with a girlfriend and I went to one of these and I have no interest in them and I had no mm-hmm. belief in them and I'd know and I don't know why I went or who talked me into it mm-hmm. at the time but I remember just feeling very lost and very upset in myself yeah and I also remember going and I was very locked up and I was like I'm not telling her anything do you know so she said how are you and I was like I don't know do you know like <laughs> You know, it's like I'm not giving anything yeah. away. You tell me how I, I am. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I was very, very defensive, you know, and she absolutely broke me down. But she said, um, did you lose anyone recently? And mm-hmm. I said, I did. Yeah. And she said, because uh, you have two angels. Okay. She said, you have one on your left shoulder and one on your right shoulder. And one is very young and one is much older. Okay. I swear to God. Caelan and my daddy. Yeah. yeah. And I have Caelan's uh, medals here. Aye. Where Sean gave them to me. Oh, and I just remember thinking, I, was, I wasn't I was fit for, for for days. Like, Aye. do you know, I broke down and I wasn't right. Mm-hmm. But I was saying to Tara there a couple of weeks ago, anytime things get hard, like, mm-hmm. I just look at them. Yeah. Do you know? I know. No, it's... I did that as well, uh, not long after my daddy passed, as I went to see somebody. I don't know why I was seeking a bit of comfort, hoping for a, hello, Charlene, I'm fine, basically. Yeah. And I always remember, like, going on and being all, my daddy would kill me if he knew I was here. (laughs) 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 Because, as I say, it was a devout Catholic, and (gasps) it's kind of like, it was in his religion to, like, not basically do any of that he just hated it all but I remember just basically going in and this lady saying your dad Martin he's on the he had a stroke like it was immediate Martin had a stroke and I wasn't even meant to be here that night and I remember thinking oh well everybody knew my daddy all that but I wasn't even meant to be there that night and the girls who went in before me like friends of mine the first girl that went in she was all who's Martin and I had a stroke 
And it was, and she told me, Charlene, I hope you're prepared because this lady is talking about your dad already and you weren't even meant to be here. You weren't even in that room. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. And, um, had you any interest in the tours then when your dad was doing them? No. Not a bit. What were you doing Not at, at that stage? Um, I have a degree in criminology. So I was working in that field of what, expertise. What is that? So it's basically rehabilitation with criminals. Um, basically the criminal mindset, like my dissertation was on a man called Gary Ridgway, the Green River Killer in America, basically looking into the psychology of murderers right. and things. So I kind of went down that route, but I hated it. I absolutely didn't enjoy my job at all. I was on maternity leave when my dad passed and my mum was freaking out. How are we going to get through the busy season? I was like, look, I'm on maternity leave. I will learn. I'll help out where I can. And ended up loving it. And here we are. But you had no interest in it? None whatsoever. You've ne- you'd, like, you'd never have done one before that? Or? No. I know. I helped my dad as a teenager, like maybe 17, 18 years old, selling tickets, things like that but had no interest in being a tour guide. I was actually so shy in school. When it came to English class and you had to read out a page, I was the one putting my hand up, you know, can I get a little toilet, please? Yeah. You know, I didn't want to read in front of people. And now I'm speaking in front of hundreds of people, not an issue, but never thought it was for me. And you're, you're on the telly on a regular basis. <laughs> Anytime I turn on BBC Northern Ireland, there's Charlene promote, promoting Derry. <laughs> Hardly. And Derry, and Derry girls. And, um, but that in itself is massive. Like, do you give yourself any credit for that? You probably don't. No, it's just kind of, I feel like it's the least that I can do. I know that, right? But uh, anyone that owns a business, this isn't your average business. Like, you have mm-hmm. to learn the history. You have to be good with people. You have to be outgoing. You have to go bringing them around the city. You have to know everything and, and be uh, Mrs. Derry now. Yeah. You know, and for somebody that had never done that before. I know. That was really, really difficult. I know. It's not like somebody that owned a shop and you had to go in and, you know, do a few I hours know. in the shop. Yeah. Not taken away from people that own shops. But like this is something very, very specific and very niche. Yeah. And to, to pull off what you've done and keep the business going mm-hmm. and grow it from strength to strength. Mm-hmm. during a difficult time and keep it going during lockdown sure I'm sure yeah. you, you had no customers during lockdown uh, none, none whatsoever no do you ever take a, a step back and say Jesus I'm doing great like um, I suppose now that you're saying it I'm like okay fair enough but I think a lot of that is down to my mum as well it's not just me like my mum is the bones of everything and yeah. like my daddy never would have told anybody but she was always there in yeah. the background uh, one of my colleagues put it so well. My daddy would have been the swan above the water. My mommy was the two feet going mad underneath. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, and that is a T a T, like it really is. But I always look at her and be like, you know, it's because of her as well. And I was always helping. I was there to help her. Your mom, your mom to me always came across really composed mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Is she? No. Is she not? <laughs> not at all. Is she not? <laughs> no, she can be a massive freak out. Can and she? yeah, that's why one of the main reasons I see why I stepped into the business. <laughs> because I was like, you're gonna give yourself a heart attack or something, you know? And no, she's not composed. At Is all. she not? Well, not behind right. Like, behind closed doors. She's just like, Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. She's such a lady. 
No, no, she is. And She's the best. Did she? She obviously kept your dad on track. Then was she he? She did. She was. He was probably like he probably would have went off with these mad ideas of building a bridge or buying such a thing, mm-hmm. and she probably said no. I remember, like my husband, <laughs> actually tell me a story, um, about my dad, and it was something, something to do with money, yeah. and my dad was paying for something or something, and he was like, "Oh, Jay, you shouldn't have said that." Sharon now knows I have this money and she's saying not to spend it. Like, so <laughs> she was like always controlling him, being all, Martin, that money, that goes there. You're not spending that and that. And my daddy was always the one, I'll hide this, I'll buy this and Sharon won't know anything about it. Yeah. But she was honestly like everything for my dad. It was like, oh, I'll be your bank manager. I'll be your accountant. I'll be your wife. Like yeah. everything. Like He was so generous because every time, every time I met him, he gave you money. And it mm-hmm. got to the stage, like, where I felt bad. You'd feel bad, like, Martin, oh, here's Martin now and again, he's going to give me more money. Mm. <laughs> but it, he was just so generous. I know, no, he, his generosity, uh, unbelievable. How did, it, how did it go then when you started doing the tours yourself? That, like, were you a nervous wreck? Or? I was a nervous wreck. I remember my first ever tour. I was shadowing, my first tour was in April. And I shadowed from February, so I was literally shadowing for maybe seven eight weeks and one of our guides just said to me Charlene just go and do a tour now (laughs) like seriously stop all your shadowing and learning and everything in the background and it was four o'clock in the afternoon and I was expecting nobody to show up for the tour and it was like 10 past four and I was like nobody's coming happy days I put myself forward for this nobody's coming all good yeah and then a family showed up from the republic and i was like oh goodness 10 past four and i finished the tour at 10 to 5 it was so quick from so it was 40 minute tour <laughs> and i remember one of the guides walking past and taking a photo of me and i still have the photo and i remember just looking really disheveled in the photo i was like so stressed and i crazy it was an awful tour it was. Well, I, d- I doubt it was. I know. If you've never been, back. if you've never been on a tour, sure. How do you know it was the? It was an awful tour. I know. I'm sure they enjoyed it. I well, they did. They said they did, but I mean, they're not going to say they didn't. To me, oh, there's a big, di- <laughs> there's a big difference in that Charlene that done that first tour and the Charlene now that do- that gives the tour. Uh-huh. Huge uh-huh. difference. Like uh-huh. I saw you one day in operation there outside the Foyleside Shopping Centre. That's where you leave from, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw you there one day in operation, and I could never do what you do. Uh-huh. No, you know? I love it. And um, people say, "Oh, you're." on Instagram and you're on the radio and you do whatever I could never give a, a Westport walking tour Yeah. and Stephen has asked me on numerous occasions Did you? and he's like which I don't understand why you can't don't you talk all day long I, I couldn't you, no you only think that for me it's kind of I just step into being not a different person but just under tour guide mode Right. and it's just like right I'm here for a purpose I'm here to do this job I'm going to make sure I do it to the best of my ability like I was saying to one of our drivers from a coach company yesterday evening, the way I always work a tour in my head is that tourism and I, they come and mystery shop us every single year. Every single tour that I do in my head, I'm like, they could be on this tour. Right. Like every single one. So I always just make sure. And I go into that tour guide mode. Sometimes I feel like I'm... I mean, I'm being very open and honest with people. I talk about my family background because it is significant to the history of the city. But at the same time, I, fe- I kind of feel like it, I'm putting on a show. I'm entertaining. But I'm not, I, I don't make anything up or anything, but I'm just there to put on the show, to entertain people, to make sure they're enjoying themselves. 
The and thing I like about it is that it's not a history lesson. No. You know, you do learn a lot of history of the city. Mm-hmm. But you're not really bored. You're not kind of like, oh, God, no. here's another day thrown at me. Yeah. It's no, not it's like that. It's, not it's very dates, personable. No. And it, there's a lot of people and characters and scenarios mm. and stories. Yeah. Rather than in 1964, this mm-hmm. canon was put here. And yeah. Blah, and blah, blah. that's what it's very much about. It's about making the history come to life. So you're not going to say, oh, 1633 or whatever. That'll just mean nothing to most people you have to tell a story about the uh, when i said 1633 i'm thinking about the cathedral for yeah. example and i have to tell a story about that cathedral in order for people to realize the significance of it and that's what it's all about there's something really special about the walls and mm-hmm. i'm saying that as somebody that spent a lot of time here and i feel i do feel like it's my second home and driving in there driving in by the northland road i i feel a little part of me feels like i'm coming home yeah. Because I spent so much, so many summers going up and down them hills, mm-hmm. uh, in and out of town, mm-hmm. and um, I stood on the walls this morning. I got up this morning. I went for a walk on the walls at nine o'clock, and there was nobody on them. Ah, yeah. Sunday mornings are best. Oh. Time to walk the walls. But I remember standing there outside the. I don't know. I was taking the piss out of it on Instagram a little bit. You know <laughs> where the Apprentice Boys place is? Just yeah. What's What's the name of that place? Apprentice Boys Memorial Hall. The okay. So I was standing outside. He says it was the house or something. The Apprentice Boys house. <laughs> So I was just standing outside it and I stood for a few minutes and there was nobody on the walls and you could only hear an odd bird and there was mm-hmm. there's not very many cars. And I was just looking down at the bog side and the big, huge fence yeah. between the bog side mm-hmm. and the apprentice boys. Yeah. And you think, Jesus, if that fence could talk. I know. That I know. fence has been through something like. It's what is called a peace line. There's two of them in Derry. Yeah. Um, we're actually quite lucky here in Belfast. I believe there's like over, over twenty, like at least twenty. Um, but yeah, you'll see, like you see paint splatters on the building of the Apprentice Boys Memorial Hall, and like people always ask me why is it called a peace line, and that's I always say, well, it's it was there to try and keep the peace between the two main communities. But no, if that fence could talk, you're a hundred percent right. It's just. I mean, you couldn't have went on the walls even 30 years ago. You couldn't have went on that section of the wall that you were on this morning. Because it was was all occupied by the forces. Because the walls overlook the bog side. And that was basically like a viewing point for the forces to overlook the bog side. Keep an eye. What's your favourite story from Um, Derry? I have so many. Um, I I have so many favourite stories. I mean, there's so many amazing parts. I like talking about the Guildhall, and I always say to people, oh, it looks like a church. Um, it's the style of architecture, which is commonly used in churches. And I, says, I always say the reason we do this is because we want visitors coming into the city being confused. <laughs> and then everybody, everybody be like, what? And be, then they have to employ local tour guides to let them know what everything is. <laughs> and then I get a big laugh. So I love saying that. And I also like, um, I wanted to get married in the Guildhall, but my husband wouldn't allow it because he works there. And he was like, I don't want to get married. Sure, who wants to get married where they work? I know. Yeah. <laughs> and then I always say, well, he's only my first husband, so it's all right. <laughs> Plenty of time. That can still happen. <laughs> but not we things like that. Um, I love, I do love talking about the troubles. Um, and I know how... It's a difficult thing to talk about. But one thing I always say is that in talking about that, we're trying to educate people. 
in order to ensure that history doesn't repeat itself. Yeah. Like education is key. Like it's so important. I wasn't educated when I was young because of the times that we were in. I didn't have that full background. But I have two young sons now and I'm educating them about it. I want them to know the history of this country in order to try and make sure that they know who they are, where they come from, why they are who they are, you know, and I think it's so important. To Do you think are there kids now going through what you went through in school? Yes, 100%. I recently seen a documentary, I think it was an RT uh, a documentary, about a young fella, and it was actually in the Republic, who ended up committing suicide because of what he went through. I think his dad was Protestant, and he was in a Catholic school. So opposite, but the same. Yeah. And he ended up committing suicide because of went, what he went through. So, yeah, it's still going on. It's still going on. And that's why I want to talk about it. And, like, I mean, I talked about it in a documentary recently as well, and... I remember them saying to me, this must be very difficult for you to talk about. And I say, well, it is difficult. But the reason I'm talking about it is because I want to make sure that this is known about, that I want people to know that if they're going through that, they're not the only one. And yeah, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's really interesting. Because I was bullied in school, but I was bullied because I got bullied because I was fat and I got bullied because my dad was a guard. And You're not fat. No, I wasn't. Hey. Well, I was in school. No, you weren't. I was. I was just, I was just wide. Oh, anyway, no, you weren't. <laughs> um, but, and then some of the kind of local pups from around the town didn't like guards. And they mm -hmm. used to call me Squealer. Squealer. Mm -hmm. Do you know? Like, I'm yeah. sure I didn't know anything mm -hmm. to be squealing on. Here, it would be called a tout. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you couldn't walk up the street or somebody would shout Squealer at you. Mm -hmm. And like, it's isn't it insane to be bullied for something? Because you're associated with something and you've done nothing like. Mm -hmm. You've done absolutely nothing to anyone. I know. But because your dad is this or you're that. Yeah, I know. What can schools do about that? I know, well, they didn't do anything about it when I was there. Yeah. Um, part of it for me, I feel like it was the teachers as well. I remember my first year at this school. And it was the coming up day, the 11th of November, Memorial Day for the veterans. And there was a veteran coming in to the school. And we had to stand and sing God Save the Queen, which I had never sung before in my life, which I didn't know the words to. I didn't know the words of the Irish National Anthem either. Like, it wasn't anything political. I just didn't know the words. And I remember standing there trying to mime the words to God Save the Queen, trying to fit in. Oh, my God. And the teacher pulling me out and making me stand up on the stage in the assembly hall and pulling me out and got detention as a result of it. And it was like, why are you not singing that song? You need to be that sign of respect. You're being very disrespectful. This is in front of the whole school. And I'll never forget it as long as I live. Like, and for me, that was kind of where it started. And it was the teacher that done it, not anybody else. So the teachers that, were nearly facilitating facilitating it like that's that is where it started for me and I feel it them them doing that that made me stand out then yeah and then that was why everything happened as it did and yeah I I just hope to god like it's not happening now but I know I know it is it's crazy it's crazy mm, I know it's crazy to think that this happened I know yeah but 
it's one of those things that I say, it's why I am who I am today. My kids are in the only integrated school in this town. It's something I feel so strongly about. They celebrate Chinese New Year, learn about Ramadan, celebrate Diwali. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. And I mean, one of the best lines in Dairy Girls was Katya, the Ukrainian, saying, oh, you're all the same religion, just different flavors. No, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's brilliant. And that's how I want. I mean, it's the world, the world that we live in. Look, here it's all Christian. And I know there's politics behind it, of course. I know more than most people, the politics behind it all. But I want my kids to realize that we're not in that little bubble that I was in, in yeah. school, like, there's such a bigger world out there. There's so much more going on and don't get caught up in what is going on here and don't let it annoy you or, yeah. Dairy Girls is so relatable and it's like it a, every family can relate to it. But I yeah. think I can relate to it even more because Tommy Tiernan <laughs> is like my dad. The Southern <laughs> fella. under the car and all. And yeah, you're just saying in the box, I like, get on the and car. And Jerry McCross and granddad telling them to shut up. Uh, you know, yeah, shut and, up, um, Justin. Oh, it's so relatable. Like even like, bombs and the bridges and all and, and Sarah being like, but how am I going to keep my tan up at this rate yeah. I can't go to the sunbed <laughs> you know, and that's what it became like I remember one day there was a bomb on the bridge and I, I had a walk home from school and this was brilliant it was the best day of my life what do you mean there was a bomb on the bridge so traffic was mental no buses c- could get out of the school and we all had to walk home from Thornhill which is basically okay so your school, school was, was the far side of the bridge no, it was in the city side, but it was way out at the border with Muff. Okay. It was way far out, down in Culmore Point, basically. Right. And um, there was a bomb on the bridge. No buses could get out to the school. And we all had a ball walking home. It was the best day of my life. Like, And that's what it became. It was like, aye, there's a bomb on the bridge. Aye, what's new? We're all walking home from school, having a ball to ourselves. We don't have to do homework tonight because it took us like two, three hours to walk home, you know. And down with us, it was a snow day. You'd be praying for right. snow. Yeah. And if any bit of snow came at all, you'd be tuned into the radio to see, yeah. is the school closed? But up here, there was a bomb on the bridge. <laughs> up here, it was bombs on the bridges. And it might not, at that particular time, it probably was only a bomb scare. But that's what always happened. I mean, the reason it was always in the bridge was because... That was where it would have caused the most disruption. And that is what the people planting these bombs wanted to happen. They wanted disruption to be caused to let their, basically, their what they wanted be heard across by everybody across the town. I just find this so fascinating. Mm-hmm. I find the whole story so fascinating mm-hmm. that you had to live through it. I know. Do you remember a time when you were really scared? Did anything ever happen where you went? Yeah. When, was, when was that? Um, I remember my mum, my mum and dad getting into an argument with somebody and I don't remember who it was. I was, I think it's one of my earliest memories and I remember somebody calling my mum an orange bee. I don't want to use bad language. Well, it's a podcast. You yeah. Can. Orange so, bastard. Orange bastard. And I remember thinking, what, what does that mean? And I remember being really scared because this person was like shouting at my mum, you orange bastard. And I was like, what What does that mean? Or like, how's, how's my mum orange? You know, like, yeah. didn't get it at all. But I remember being terrified as a result of it. And that was kind of, like, as I say, I think that's my first ever memory. And that's about the troubles of this country and my parents and, yeah. Your mum must have had an awful time as well. Mm, it was hard. 
very very hard for her for my dad for their families you know you used to come down to Mayo a good bit you'd yeah, come down and visit and you'd go to Westport House or yeah. you'd stay in Knockranny I always remember being kids and going to the Bone Eye and going horse riding with you oh yes <laughs> that's right yeah, I think it was I over in Drum and Do Stud I think and what was it must have been so different obviously it was so different for me coming to Derry but it must have been very different for you coming down to Mayo yeah, oh, it was lovely. Was I there loved it. was there like a sense of relief then, almost, or like did it wasn't even? No, it's. I mean, it should be. I mean, looking back now, it's like yeah, it was a relief, obviously, getting away from certain things that were going on here. But at the time, it was just like just heading away. I uh, just heading away. It's our holidays, happy days. Yeah, you know, and as I say, everything that was going on here, everything that like, we went through here, it was normality. That was life. Cool. You know, I. We didn't know any different. We were still having a ball, regardless. You know, it's crazy to think, but now you look back, now you know what normality actually is and what it should be, and you look back and you be like, no, it wasn't normal. Yeah. <laughs> Not at all. How many staff do you have working for you now at the minute? There's nine of us in total now. Nine tour guides? Yeah. Including yourself? Including myself. And you're the youngest Blue Badge tour guide. Yes, so the Blue Badge is the highest professional qualification that you can get for tour guiding. And I'm the youngest in the UK. So I make sure and tell everybody (laughs) because I'm in my mid-30s. So not getting away with saying it for much longer. So, Oh, fair play to you. What has been your proudest achievement since you started with Martin McCrossan Tours? Um... It's hard. I mean, getting my blue badge, yes, that was amazing. But I think it kind of goes more personal than that. It's kind of like when you're asked by the likes of like BBC to come and chat about something. It's like, oh my God, like that's really nice. And I'd be really grateful for that. So it's wee things like that, that I'm just like, oh, I must be doing a good job for these people to be looking basically to chat to me on television and must be doing something right. Knowing you, you're very unassuming and, you know, you rock in here now and you looked after me so well last night and you put me up in this fancy apartment and you had a hamper here and you've everything done (laughs) and then you rock in this morning and you were with the boys at the park run Mm -hmm. and you're just really unassuming and then when I sit back and I see you then on the telly on BBC, you just go into this this tour guide mode and I'm so proud of you. Oh, thank you. And it's so, nice. it's so incredible what you've achieved. Yeah. It's mega yeah. what you've achieved. Okay. There's very few people that could go and take on a walking tour company mm-hmm. and keep it going. And I know I know Sharon has a huge part to play in it as yeah. well. But like, you know, you're the apple of your dad's eye. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he'd be very, very proud of you. Oh, and he is very so proud much. of you. Oh, I hope so. But it's easy. Like, it's not hard. Because I, it's easy because I love it. Do you know what I mean? I, I know mean, you say that. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's it's easy because you love it, but like flipping hell to go through what you went through and say, here, right, you're going doing tours. Yeah. That's not easy. I can um, I know. When you think about it, 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 listening to this podcast, how many people are listening to this podcast now that could do a 15 second story and talk and just say, hey guys, I was just in town there doing the shopping. Mm-hmm. There's very few people that could do that. Yeah. Never mind bring 50 tourists yeah. on the walls and try and know everything. So you're a great bit of stuff. I don't know everything though. Well. <laughs> I'll never know it all. If you ever think you know it all, give it up. 
that's what da- I always say. Derry, the Derry Girls has been a huge mm. boost to the city, hasn't it? It has. It's amazing. So you do a tour on a Saturday? We do a Derry Girls tour between What's that? in the summer months. Just, uh, it's just basically like a location tour, but talking about the show as well. So there's a lot of wee bits in the show. There are in a way. I want to say innuendos, but you know what I mean? They kind of have a deeper meaning to them than what international people wouldn't realise what these certain wee things mean. So we go in, and the dairy gears kind of on a deeper level, and we say, well, what they're getting at here is X, Y, and Z. But then showing, like, obviously parts from the show where it was filmed, different things as well. But no, it's about the background of it. It's about that time period, what it was like, how we had how and why we had that humour um, because of the difficult times. So no, it's good fun. It's a good laugh. It's miles away from our regular tour. <laughs> like okay. really, I, I always say that. I'd be like, it's miles and miles away because you're like talking about, like I always talk about Michelle, for example, going to meet the Protestant boys and Jenny Joyce is there and Michelle's like, oh, they don't come in halves, meaning Protestants don't come in halves. And I always make the joke, well, here you are. <laughs> yep, here I am. <laughs> you know, and just, it's a bit of a laugh, like that way we're having fun and everybody's laughing, joking, and it's good crack. I love it. Is it going well? It is going well. Are a is. lot of people looking for it? Especially after the end of season three. Like, um, I know it'll, it'll probably die off. And yeah, if that happens, it happens. And, you know, if it doesn't continue for years and years, then no problem at all. But uh, probably it's brilliant won't. at the minute. Yeah. Yeah. So look at the Quiet Man village in Kong and Mayo. Aye. Like, how many years ago is that? I know. And people are still coming to see exactly. it. Exactly. So. I know. And even like Father Ted as well. Yeah. Father know, Ted's house. house. Yeah. It's, it's, it has really put Derry on the map another level, hasn't it? It has. Uh, the uh, writer of the show, Lisa McGee, she was the first female to get the freedom of the city a few weeks ago there. Wow. First fe- I couldn't believe first female. I was like, there's a- amazing females to have come from this city. Yeah. And to hear first female, I was like, oh my God. But it is so very well deserved. Like what she has done. Like I, I make the joke that thousands of pounds has probably been spent on getting dairy known worldwide at the end of the day the only thing dairy was known worldwide for if you mentioned dairy to anybody they would have thought bloody sunday that's what anybody would have thought but now it's like dairy girls and it's this different lighter note i laugh and that's what we want you know we want people to realize that we're friendly people we have a laugh yes we've been through it severely through it but we're friendly, we're welcoming, we're good crack. <laughs> it was so well done as well because, you know, the dad was always giving Tommy Tiernan an awful hard time and he was always telling him he was a bollocks and this, that and the other. Jerry and Joe, yeah. And then at the end scene when they're watching the telly and he puts his hand it's on his shoulder. shoulder. Mm-hmm. You know, it's little things like that throughout that are subliminal, but yeah. they're they're huge. Like. It, it's one of those things like for the troubles having been tearing people apart that actually brought people together the same time and that's what it focuses on there is that them two were at each other's throats well like joe was at jerry's throat all the time just constantly at him but when something happened they were brought together and that's how it was and it's heartwarming in that way it's lovely so nice so well done like so very well done I'm not going to hold you up much longer because you're a busy lady and Sunday is your only day off and I have to get a popcorn back to cookie Aye, oh, hopefully she loves it. Uh, she will. Why should somebody come and visit Derry? 
it's <laughs> I, I'm biased obviously but it is an amazing city and I'm not just saying that it's there's something here that will relate to everybody there's something for everybody be it like a family or a retired couple and everything in between everybody can find a connection to something in this town we're genuinely so welcoming and it's because of what we've been through and we didn't have people here for so long but it is the friendliest city ever and I'm not just saying that like everybody says you come to Derry for the people it's the people that make it and yeah it's the people That's for years come, people. for years growing up my uncles would say to me yes Alan what about you <laughs> and for years I had no idea how to reply to that mm. I didn't know what you they didn't were know what they were saying I just go, <laughs> so they go yes sir what about you and you'd be like you? yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, and it was there. basically what's the crack yeah. just what about you and it's such a pity for so many years as well we only met at funerals mm, I know. you know the macrossan family have been through so much and there's been yeah. so much tragedy and it's still the same as well though with i mean americans always laugh at me i say i have 52 cousins in total right like I, that's what i can count yeah but i see you i've seen you and you're from mayo I've probably seen you more in the past couple of months than what I have the majority of the rest of my cousins. Right. Do you know it's crazy? Like, but it is just the way it is, isn't it? Okay, I'll take the hint. I'll stop coming. She's <laughs> not great. We love having you. Does anyone mention mammy banter to you? Um, aye, a lot of people all over the world. Aye. I suppose like, they wouldn't get the association. Like, no, no, nobody believes me that I'm Mammy Banter's first cousin. They're like, no, how could you be? Oh, the things Serena has done, though, it's just. I started the waves with her last January. Very good. Cold water dipping. Yeah. And like that alone, like what she's done on that. She's level. so incredible. I know. No, she's brilliant. And she's always thinking about the people here and doing better for the community and mental health. And she's very open and honest about it. And like, I haven't been for dips now in a long, long time because busy summer season. Yeah. But I'm so grateful to her for using her platform because Derry has a big problem there as well with mental health and services for it. And she's using the platform that she has now to try and get the city what it deserves yeah. and look after the people. And oh, she's amazing. Growing up, I, I didn't really hang out with her very much growing up, but I hung around with her brother, Ray. Aye. And uh, I just remember her being in the house and she was just stunning. Absolutely. Aye, beautiful. Stunning. Always beautiful. Girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, the last time I was here was Kieran, and I just remember standing at the bookshop and the whole front window in Foilside there. <laughs> like, and there's plenty of room for 10 other books or 20 yeah. other books. Yeah. But she had the whole window from start to finish, Mammy mm-hmm. Banter. I was first in line at the book signing then too. Oh, yeah. I was like, I have to be here. Did you, know, you have to queue up? I know, I queued outside. You shouldn't have had to queue up Oh, jeez, no. I was there to support. Like, you <laughs> I know. know, I know. But no, I, it's amazing what she's done. It really, really is. And it's the same as yourself. Like, I mean, my kids be all, like, I'd be watching you on Instagram and I'd be watching Serena on Instagram and I'd be all, oh, it's mommy's cousin, it's mommy's cousin. Oh, and the boys be all to me, mommy, why do you have so many famous cousins? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, you know? I'm far from famous, but... <laughs> It's great to see. It's great to see you're doing so well. I oh, know, no, it's brilliant. And um, listen, Charlene, thanks so much. Thanks for my hamper. There's a card here that I'm gonna. I'm not going to open on the podcast. 
Okay. I'll keep that personal. Okay, great. But I want you if to there's know. There's not a wild person on it. It's just me. <laughs> but anyway. It better be personal. Don't that's get all, too excited. That's all I'm saying. I'll give you a few more minutes with it there if uh, you want to. But I just want you to know how proud I am of you. Oh, thank and, you so much. And I honestly mean that. I, I think the world of you. And I just, I, I can't put it into words how proud I am of you. Mm. And how much I love you. Oh, you thank know. you. No, I'm, you're like what you've done as well. Like even being up here as well. Like I always say, like for all the cousins I have here, like oh, I'm gonna have a pile of cousins getting in touch with me now. Even all Charlene, what are you Only if they but, like, these were always my favorite. Like <laughs> Ian, Stephen were always my favorite. And do you know what? Like Stephen was kind of older, and he wasn't there a lot of the times that we went down. No. So it was always you that was left to like look after <laughs> us, kind of in a way. Which I loved it. Aye. I didn't have many friends like so when when you were coming down from the north. Sure, I loved it. Aye. And I got on so well with you and Christina. I know. We did like we genuinely we got did. on so we well. Had we yeah. Did. And then your dad talked my brother into opening Westport walking tours and for years he was coming down and saying to Stephen do you know what this town needs it needs a walking tour tour. it needs (laughs) a walking tour and Stephen was like yeah 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 and I remember them talking for Mm. years and years and years and Martin kept saying it to him and kept saying it to him and kept saying it to him Mm -hmm. and that's another thing that you know I'm sorry that he's not around to see Stephen's doing so well well, And see the yellow jackets of Derry in Westport. I always say we could be like a brand and we could basically venture out. Let's go Dublin. Let's go here. You know, let's just be like, I want to say Macrossan, but I know obviously you're Clark. Well, sure, we're half Macrossan. Half Macrossan. Yeah, half Macrossan, half Clark. Yellow yellow jackets all over the country just. Yeah, it's lovely to see. (laughs) And, you know, we have him on the Westport Walking Tours website as well. And he's, he's... He's so influential even till today. Aye. You know. Mm-hmm. And I'm not. Like I just feel so grateful to have been given what I've been given from my dad. Like I mean I have so much back in there. And there is not one tour that I'll ever do and not talk about my dad. Always talk about him. How could you, you not? How, it's, it's Martin, Martin McCrossan tour. tour. You know, and they need to know the story of Martin McCrossan. I mean, I don't even use my married name because there's no point. Well, Jay now is fairly laid back. I uh, know. No, he doesn't mind. Is he he doesn't even wear a ring, like, so it's all right. Is he, la- <laughs> is he laid back in real life? Um, no. Is he, he not? I know. He fell out with me yesterday because I made him sort out all his clothes and Aww. he was very angry. <laughs> and then I took him out for dinner last night for his birthday. So it was all right. But I, no, he's not so laid back. <laughs> I think he is. He's a legend. We were at a, a show in, in the Guild Hall there a few months ago. And he just goes. And he was working that night, was he? Yes, Alan. Uh-huh. Walk in here, top of the queue, hands you a drink, go on, head in there. And you just thought, oh, what a legend. I, I know. No, he comes across very laid back, but. Um, yeah, I love him. Come here. Do you ever switch off? Do you ever Aye. do? What do you do? What do you do for you? Like, how do you switch I off? I say we went out for dinner last night for his birthday. I love just having a nice bite to eat, nice glass of wine. Love a good box set. Um, yeah, just chilling on the sofa. We, my husband, kids in bed. I love taking the kids away as well, doing park run on a Sunday morning with them. That's why I always make sure I have a Sunday off. But not just spend time with the kids. The two boys are fit and active and they're into everything. Aye, they're, they've got six packs like and they're nine and seven. Do they? I know, they're crazy. Like and it's nobody drilling it into them. Aye, no, they just love it. They yeah. absolutely love it. They're footballers, they're runners. And like Jay loves it. Jay does put it into them a bit with football. 
But with regards to the six pack and all, they'd be like, "Mummy, I'm going to do 20 sit-ups. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, okay, go on ahead. I'll sit here and watch you like. <laughs> and anything just to keep uh, keep you quiet. I, I know. Yeah. Do no, another 20. I know, I know. I just be like, I go on ahead, go on ahead. But no, they're the best. And like, as we were saying, my eldest was um, my daddy's best friend as well. Like it was the wee son he never had. And he always talks about him, but they don't remember him. It's more photographs and things. They think they remember, but they don't. Yeah. So, um, but no, they're wee dotes. And the last day I was up, there was a football cup or something. The foil cup, aye. Yeah. Um, that's on every year. The man who actually set it up, he won the Martin McCrossan Tourism Award because of everything um, the foil cup has done for this town. So basically it brings in football teams. This year it wasn't even at its height, but there were over 450 football teams from all across the world. And that is, isn't even at, a, at its height. This is obviously still post-pandemic. Yeah. But football teams come from all over the world. They take walking tours by ourselves. They go out for bite to eat. They go to the bowling alley. They spend money, obviously. What the Foil Cup has done for here is just... What's unreal. the Martin McCrossan Tourism Award? Uh, that was an award. So my daddy, basically, he set up um, the Northwest People of the Year Awards years and years ago. And it was to raise money for the foil hospice. And he set that up and was like, oh, basically like charity worker of the year, volunteer of the year, like things like that. And then the Dairy Journal, when my daddy passed away, the local paper, they decided to put this on and they named an award after my dad. And it's the Martin McCrossan Tourism Award. Wow. I know. So the this award named after him and no, it's amazing. And there's a memorial at the front door of the Fileside Shopping Centre. Uh, the council opted to do that. That's mega. And, um, unbelievable. Um, it's just a photo of my dad and words underneath it. Like, true champion of tourism and left, what does it say? Left a lasting positive impression on everybody he met. That's for Which sure. Which he did. That's yeah. for sure. Thanks so much. I hope th- I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and thanks for sharing. It's not easy and it's not easy to talk about everything you spoke about. No, it's not, but it's important to be spoken about, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And keep her lit. <laughs> keep her going. Thanks. Keep her lit. <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry 
So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com The Big News Coming Soon podcast is proudly sponsored by BRB Homes. BRB Homes is Ireland's number one award-winning manufacturer of factory-built homes. We take your home from start to finish. Our homes are A-rated and meet planning regulations. We build to your requirements and your budget. The cost includes your home being turnkey and our chartered engineer's fees. Please get in touch reviewing of our show homes a brochure or for more information let brb homes take the stress out of your build check out brbhomes.ie